0: Good evening, I'm Rodney Hall.
1: And I'm Dr. Kathleen McCarthy. Welcome to our podcast,
0: Midnight Balloon, A
1: Light Journey into Darkness. Our
0: eighth episode is entitled, Cursed Jewels,
1: Poisons, and Love Charms, also known as Gem Alarms, Toxic and Glamour Charms. Rodney, would you like some tea?
0: How British. Yes, please.
1: I found these beautiful teacups in your cabinets and thought I'd put them to good use.
0: I got them second-hand. I love fine China. Sugar? Yes, please. Where's John? John Bell, our sound engineer. He's on medical leave. You did
1: shoot him in the ear. Oh. Hmm.
0: You know, Kathy, the Chinese don't like to buy things second-hand like these teacups, for example. Why is
1: that? It's because we
0: feel that you never know what comes attached to those used items. Someone could have died in those used clothes. A person may have been murdered in an old house, or a spirit may be contained in an antique.
1: I still love vintage, especially the 1950s retro styles. I'm glad
0: you feel that way, because I got you a gift. What is it? In honor of the 13th anniversary of our friendship.
1: That is so sweet. Now, what does one get for a 13th anniversary?
0: Lace, but we're not married.
1: Hmm, you make me feel guilty. You didn't
0: have to get me anything.
1: Well, not exactly because of the gift. What then? Rodney, what's in that bag?
0: Oh, I'm sorry. It fell out of my hands.
1: No worries. I'll get it. I think the box fell under the table. Got it. Open it. Oh, it's it's lace. Wait, there's something inside the lace. It's, it's a ring. Oh, my God, Rodney, I love it. Is this the... It's a black... Opal. I love it. It's beautiful.
0: It's a cross between black taffeta and a dark stained glass window.
1: Thank you, Rodney. You always know exactly what to get me. It's the perfect gift.
0: You know what they say, keep your friends close and keep your frenemies in jewels.
1: Gee, I feel bad I didn't get you anything. Do you like the tea?
0: The tea smells wonderful. It has a slight hint of nut.
1: I can't smell anything right now because of my allergies.
0: Invisible pollen. It's like the trees are trying to poison us.
1: Well, at least I have this fat. Fabulous ring. by the way the tea is my own special recipe it's Darjeeling with just a touch of sweet dreams mmm delish I made a special just for you Rodney
0: well I'm glad you don't believe in cursed objects because our first topic is cursed jewels
1: when my pinky goes up like this it means I'm ready for gossip
0: the hope diamond was rumored to have been purloined from the eye of a Hindu idol in India The impossibly large stone was purchased in France by a guy named Jean Baptiste in 1666.
1: Well, the year 1666 should have been a clue.
0: The jewel was recut and purchased by King Louis XVI. Then it was stolen after King Louis and Marie Antoinette's beheading. The gem was recut again in London to, ironically, a family named Hope. The diamond is 45 carats, a little larger than a golf ball. Its cut is antique cushion. Its stone is dark blue. Seventeen diamonds surround the hope. The large stone connects to a necklace of more sparkling diamonds.
1: So, other than a beheading, what's so cursed about it?
0: Meredith Warner's article, Six Pieces of Real-Life Cursed Jewelry That Would Destroy You, lists the Cope diamond chain of owners and their fates. Do tell. First, Marie Antoinette and King Louis XVI, beheaded. Beheaded. Princess de Lamballe, beaten to death by a mob. Jacques Collet, suicide. Serbia, stabbed to death by her royal lover, who gifted her the stone. And Simon Montarides, died in a carriage crash with the entire family.
1: I wonder if I could reverse the curse. That's
0: what Evelyn Walsh McLean, an American socialite, thought as well.
1: I presume she was the next owner?
0: Yes, we've gone from 1666 to 1911. The article continues, quote, claiming she could reverse any curse, McLean threw lavish Finding the Hope parties, where she would hide the gemstone somewhere in her estate and invite guests to look for it.
1: Talk about asking for trouble, inviting people to come to your home to find your most valuable possession, serving them liquor, and then asking whoever finds it to, oh, could you just please give it back?
0: What could possibly go wrong? So
1: what happened to Evelyn?
0: Meredith, the author, continues, in the end, Evelyn McLean's son was killed in a car crash. Her daughter died of an overdose, and her husband would leave her for another woman, and he would eventually die in a sanitarium.
1: Dennis and I were lucky enough to be able to visit the Tower of London where the Koh-i-Noor diamond is housed. It was also taken from India and sits atop the crown of Queen Elizabeth. It was stunning.
0: I've never seen it in person, but if the Hope diamond is 45 carats and larger than a golf ball, the Koh-i-Noor diamond is over 105.6 carats, which is the size of two golf balls.
1: (laughs) Well, according to Wikipedia, it weighs 21.6 grams and its nickname is the Mountain of Light. And every king who wore it lost his throne. So, Ronnie, what do you think is going on here?
0: It is said these jewels were taken from India.
1: Is that a politically correct way of saying stolen? It's a
0: morality tale, a warning against the sins of imperialism. On LiveScience.com, Benjamin Radford, in Mystery of the Hope Diamond Curse, writes, A typical Eastern superstition is that the possession of extremely large diamonds always brings misfortune.
1: One thing I don't have to worry about...
0: A long history of blood, theft, intrigue, loss of empire, loss of life, and other disasters belongs to each of the most celebrated diamonds, and for the most part, the stories are historically true. He continues, only a person with a pure heart could escape a doomed fate. In this case, a pure heart means someone who did not try to sell it, but instead generously gave it away. Thus, the curse, F indeed, there was ever one... Ended when the jeweler, Harry Winston, donated, not sold, it to the Smithsonian Institute in 1958, where it can be seen today.
1: Any other cursed jewel stories?
0: Opals are bad luck.
1: Wait, wait, what?
0: Only for people whose birthstone is not an opal. You were born in October, right?
1: Ronnie, you know I'm an Aquarian. I'm born in February. Oh,
0: well, opals are said to... Well, they just said, well, you're not supposed to give them as a gift. so, you have to give me some money to negate the curse. No,
1: no, no, no. Okay, here, you can have the ring back. Thank you very much, but I am not in the mood for sporting a cursed jewel on my hand.
0: It looks great on my hand. I thought you didn't believe in cursed jewels. Well,
1: there's an old southern expression. If you can't run with the big dog, stay on the porch. And on the slight chance that there is a curse on the ring, I'm going to stay on the porch. Thank you very much.
0: Did I mention that only white opals are considered bad luck? The black opals, which is what's on my hand right now, are considered good luck.
1: Mm, My naked finger is suddenly feeling a bit chilly. I'd like my opal back, please.
0: Here you go. Opal... Supposedly turn pale in the presence of poison.
1: Is it my imagination or does this opal look a little paler? So, Kathleen, being a
0: doctor, what's the 911 on poisons?
1: In the book, The Royal Art of Poison, written by Eleanor Herman, she says in the 1600s, a woman named Julia Tofana set up shop and sold poisons for over 50 years in Naples and Rome. She is said to be responsible for over 600 deaths, and she had a niche market. She catered to women who were not happy with their husbands.
0: From black widow to merry widow.
1: Exactly. Her bad husband recipe called for arsenic, lead, and belladonna, which could all be mixed with wine. She most likely learned the recipe from her mother, who was executed years earlier for murdering her own husband.
0: I'm glad I don't drink. More tea? Spill some more tea on our friend Julia and her poison store.
1: Well, a customer ratted Julia out. She was executed in 1659. Twenty years later, in Paris, a 46-year-old aristocratic woman, the Marquis de Brinvilliers, was put to death for using Julia's poisons on her father and two brothers so that she could inherit everything. Scandal. During her interrogations, the Marquis told authorities, Half the people quality are involved in this sort of thing, and I could ruin them if i talked
0: did she sing
1: like a canary because of what she told authorities 3 years later over 300 people were arrested and 36 of those were convicted and executed for the crime of poisoning
0: justice
1: Both the ruling Medici family and the Venetian Republic actually set up factories where they could manufacture poisons as well as antidotes.
0: The first factory of poisons.
1: Kings and queens also paid top dollar, 11 times their weight in gold, for unicorn horns, which they believed had the ability to detect poison. Queen Elizabeth had one that was 7 feet long.
0: And where does one get... A unicorn?
1: Well, they were actually the tusk of an Arctic whale called the narwhal. Sailors couldn't figure out why so many unicorns died on the beaches of the northern shores. The king would not touch his food until his tasters had tested all of the food, kissed all the napkins and silverware, and waved the unicorn horn over all the food and even dipped it into some of the dishes. Isn't it more
0: likely the king would die of some disease picked up by all the tasters kissing his utensils?
1: <laughs> well, according to Eleanor Herman, the average lifespan for a man during medieval times was 31 and if he were lucky enough to not have a wife who poisoned him he could look forward to possibly dying of dysentery typhoid fever chicken pox measles and the black plague.
0: it's what happens to people who don't wash their hands
1: right so if the king got any indigestion there was a really good chance that anyone handling his food that day was going to be tortured until he confessed
0: That would upset my stomach.
1: And just in case you think that poisoning is relegated to history, in November of 2006, there was a case of Alexander Litvinenko.
0: Oh, the former Russian KGB officer who fled Russia, and he was given political asylum in the UK, And I think he was getting ready to spill state secrets.
1: Yes. According to Wikipedia, no criminal charges were ever officially made against the Russians. It took Alexander three horrible, painful weeks to die. And his medical diagnosis was that he was poisoned with polonium-210, which is radioactive.
0: And what is that death like?
1: His symptoms were severe diarrhea and vomiting, physical weakness so that he was unable to walk, intense pain, and he slipped in and out of consciousness. On his deathbed, he asked for a photo to be taken of him because he said, I want the world to see what they did to me.
0: What about poisonings here in the U.S.?
1: According to the National Center of Biotechnology Information, the most common type of poison used in the U.S. is prescription and over-the-counter medication males are more likely to be victims of poisoning than females.
0: Prescription drugs have been the new illegal drugs for a while.
1: In an article written by Hannah Kozlowska, she states that while most serial killers who are men hunt their victims, women serial killers gather their intended victims around them.
0: Men hunt, women gather?
1: In a paper written by Melissa A. Harrison, she states that the data shows that female serial killers are typically white, educated, and have held a caregiving role such as mother or health care worker. Their most common motive for murder was financial gain. 80% of female serial killers know or are related to their victims.
0: My friend, let's call her Swindlin, Swindle for short, went to Immaculate Heart High School in Hollywood, the all-girls school the same school that Meghan Markle attended, and she had a poison ring.
1: What exactly is a poison ring?
0: It was a ring with a green emerald cut stone. You could lift the stone up, and there was an empty compartment beneath the stone where one could put poison in. She bought it in a vintage store. She was very proud of it and wore it throughout college. I don't know if she ever used it beyond a conversation piece, but if I were to create a persona of poison ring murderess based on my friend, I would say they had a flair for fashion, jewelry, and the dramatic...
1: It's theorized that women tend to use poison because it requires less physical strength. In effect, it evens the playing field with men.
0: Splendoline was very efficient.
1: Another interesting fact, 39% of female serial killers work in healthcare. Is that
0: so, Dr. McCarthy?
1: Oh my God. All roads lead to Rome. (sighs) Well, according to Wikipedia, the Roman emperor Nero hired his own personal poisoner who would kill people using a cyanide enema.
0: Mmm, Kathy, I feel funny.
1: I've always thought you were one of the funniest people I ever met. Hmm,
0: the smell of almonds. Doctor, do no harm. Did you poison this tea?
1: That's why we're such good friends, Rodney. You understand me so well. You knew that if we were doing an episode on poisons that I would simply have to take it to the next level. And poison me? I may not have a flair for fashion or jewelry, but I definitely have a flair for the dramatic. Did you bring the antidote? My, my purse was full, and I had to buy some rhubarb. So, in your own words, Ronnie, can you ever forgive me? Yes. You can?
0: I'm very magnanimous. That, after I dropped your present on the floor and below the table, I switched our teacups.
1: Diabolical. I'm quite impressed, but... How did you know?
0: My tea, or rather my tea cup, had the smell of almonds, a telltale sign of cyanide, a potent poison. You couldn't smell the tea cup because you have allergies.
1: Well, I guess I deserved it.
0: How long do you have?
1: Well, it wasn't a lethal dose, or I'd be dead within seconds. I gave you, or me actually, a microdose. So according to the John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, I have a little bit of time... But I don't think we should really dilly-dally.
0: Oh, there's a hospital just ten minutes from here, and I'm sure the poison's past its expiration date, so it's not so poisonous anymore. Do you mind if we finish this episode? It will be fast. Trust me.
1: I, um.
0: How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. I love thee to the depth and breadth and height my soul can reach and feeling out of sight for the ends of being and ideal grace. Oh,
1: you know I'm a sucker for Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Oh, so charming. Okay, let's take a chance and keep going. Let's talk love charms. Ronnie, have you ever used a love charm?
0: In Flagstaff, Arizona, I came upon a store called Crystal Magic. I bought a rose quartz there. It's a rock that resembles a slightly reflective piece of pink ice. The Rose Court supposedly would bring romantic love. Did your love charm work? 4 months later it brought me a man whom I'll call Thorn, who I've been with for many years. Thorn, you pierce my heart.
1: <laughs> okay, no really. I love that. Okay. Um okay, so, just like in the movie Bell Book and Candle where Kim Novak is a witch who casts a love spell on Jimmy Stewart, you did the same thing to Thorn? Yes. Dennis and I saw a movie, Midsummer, where one of the girls in the pagan family community uses a repulsive love charm on an unsuspecting guy who is visiting.
0: And did it work?
1: Yes, it was evil. Ronnie, is that the only love charm you used on Thorne? I used psychology.
0: In an article by Andrea Bartz in Glamour, she wrote If you stare into each other's eyes for four minutes, you can make the other person fall in love with you. And? Thorne had me move in half a year later. A Japanese study published in the journal NeuroImage provided a clue by looking inside their brain during a staring contest. It seems that eye contact actually synchronizes brain activity between two people.
1: So does Thorne know that you actually cast the love charm on him? It wasn't
0: a spell on him in particular. All the rose quartz did was simply bring the right one to me. After many years of dating, I realized I didn't need a doctor or a lawyer or a millionaire. I needed a man who could do drywall.
1: Oh my God, don't we all? Okay, so you didn't answer the question, Rodney. Why would you feel the need to cast a love spell on Thorn? I mean, wouldn't he have fallen in love with you naturally?
0: Legend has it when the Thornbird is grown, it finds by moonlight one single thorn, and it presses its chest to it. When the thorn goes through its heart, the thorn bird sings its sweetest song and then dies. Oscar Wilde's version has a white rose attached to that thorn. When the thorn bird recites its last note, the white rose turns blood red so that a young man can woo a stubborn lover.
1: Ronnie, you have a PhD in not answering my questions. So what if you actually found out today that it was Thorn who cast the love spell on you? Wouldn't you feel betrayed?
0: I'm a moonlit flower, not for the picking. When my thorn is pressed deep into his chest, I am at my best, my most tremulous beauty. At this point, I will shadow and my rose petals will float onto his body.
1: Okay, still not answering the question. We're big believers in free will, right? Oh, mio bambino caro, mi piace bello, bello, vondar in Porta Rosa. Oh my god ronda you have a beautiful voice but still not answering the question so by casting a spell don't you remove thorns free will and what if the love spell wears off morning
0: mist is a mystery
1: so thorn doesn't know that you cast a love spell over him I mean, would you ever consider telling him, and how would he react? Would he be angry or flattered? Thorne doesn't believe in superstition, magic, or even religion.
0: Prayers and spells are all the same to him. For him, asking for something from something that doesn't exist to make something happen because he asks is just foolish to him.
1: Well, Dennis definitely has me under a love charm. I mean, I come home from work, and he has a delicious dinner, a glass of wine, and a kiss waiting for me. Not to mention, he is just a big old hunk of eye candy.
0: (laughs) Who wouldn't like it? Actually, not me. That stuff leaves me cold. Speaking <laughs> of, you are looking a little peaked. Perhaps all of your frustration has made your heart beat faster, which I understand speeds up the poison.
1: Um, maybe, maybe we better go to the hospital now. Okay, let me put
0: on some sunscreen. I am a hothouse flower after all.
1: Uh, you know, I'm a little worried because according to a study by Gasco, Rosebo, and Biberta, only 16% of hospitals have sufficient supplies of cyanide antidote kits.
0: I just forgot that the hospital I thought was nearby is nearby Thorne's house, not mine.
1: <clears throat> I, I'm having trouble breathing. Oh, you'll
0: be fine. You're a doctor.
1: I I can't make it to the door.
0: Maybe I should call one of those hospital Ubers.
1: You mean an ambulance? Who are you calling?
0: Regional Poison Control Center, 1-800-222-1222.
1: Wait, I have an idea. You said earlier that only a person with a pure heart could escape the doomed fate, meaning someone who did not try to sell the cursed jewels, but instead generously gave it away.
0: Like when Harry Winston donated the Hope Diamond to the Smithsonian.
1: Why can't I generously give you the opal ring and break any curse associated with a black opal?
0: The opal is so pale now.
1: For you, Rodney. Thank you for the gift of the ring, but I now give it back to you with no strings attached.
0: Thank you. Ah. But do you really think this is going to save you from cyanide poisoning? What are you doing?
1: I can buy a cyanide antidote kit at www.siokit.com for only $1,199.99. And I, I, I,
0: I can't breathe. Are you trying to say leave us a five-star rating review and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram? Just look up Midnight Balloon. No. No, that's not what you're saying. Either way, please join us for episode 9 entitled Bad Luck! Superstitions and Phobias. I suppose this means you won't be helping me with the dishes.